That is the incomparable Miss Tanjiswa Mazwai, and I am Pumi Mashoko. You are listening to Womanza. As we do it every Wednesday, I'm here with you, and today I really struggled, guys. I really struggled putting together this show today. I, I was going through like a lull over the weekend when I normally spend time putting together the show, and I didn't know where to go and what to do. And then on Sunday, I had an incredible experience. I went to see a show um, from with Napoma Napo. She was um, a guest of mine a couple of months ago. So you may or may not remember her. Download the podcast. She came here. She's a poet and she's quite amazing. I got an invitation and she put it on all her Facebook and she was having this show. She tells me it was a once-off show, but it was unbelievable. Napo is a poet and poetry when I used to be like big into going into the poetry station, it used to be this like gritty thing. It used to be this in dingy like bars and people smoking. And it was, it was actually all quite weird and angry, 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 angry. And I didn't know what, what I was going to experience on Sunday. And when I went there and I saw the show, which had jazz musicians and it had a cappella musicians and it was so sophisticated. It's exactly what I've always thought that perhaps if you go to like a club in Harlem, a poetry club in Harlem or in France or in Amsterdam, that's the kind of life you experience. And it was really beautiful and it was at the Soweto Theatre. I'm hoping I can convince her to try and get more funding and make it happen again. And I can tell you all about it just in time. But on Sunday, another very interesting thing happened to me. Just as I was on my way getting ready to go to the show, you would have seen the hashtag roads must fall. And I thought it was dead. I thought it was like gone, that hashtag. And then on Sunday again, it was trending. On my timeline, I see a couple of people popping up talking about the hashtag roads must fall. I thought, oh gosh, not this again. And it's been all over social media. You must have an opinion about it. If you do, give us a call. I'd really love to know what you think about it. So much has been said. So much has been spoken. Statues are being defaced. Scholarships are being called back. They're angry young people. They're angry old people. There's a big chasm and a divide around transformation, around black people, around white people, around the future, the past of this country. And I thought, oh, I didn't know where I stood with this until... An incredible young lady came on stage on Sunday. Her name is Vangi. Uh, she calls, she also calls herself, uh, Mamiha, which is her clan name. She's Vangi Gancho and she's quite well known at Vangi 22. She's a poet. She's quite well known. She's going on a tour to the States next week. She's got a show happening at the Orbit and she came on stage and blew me away with this. When you're ready, ma'am, it's recording. I want to speak to my children. Those who have been forced out of their homes in the middle of the night and those who remain sleeping, warm and comfortable beds. I want to speak to the youth of 76, the children of Sierra Leone, the lost boys of Sudan. I want to hold each and every one of them in my arms and whisper courage into their ears. 
tell them how they will spark revolutions or forever stand as a reminder of our need to repent. I want to assure them that God has not grown tired of them and that their homes, though broken, are not beyond repairs. Come to me, my little ones. Come to me. Ours is the bond of mother and child, deeply rooted in the cradle of humankind, reaching far beyond the Kalahari and the Sahara. You, little Anatis and Adiwales, you need to know the Nubian truth. You need to know of how the Kush decorated your homes and filled them with art and knowledge and architecture and walls that were books. You need to know that you come from a people who spoke with stars long before they were sold astrology. Bring me my children. Let them come and sit at my feet. And this is me. I want to tell them magnificent tales of how their fathers were heroes. Paint them a portrait of Isandra and then take them to El Obeid and Sheikhan. I want to journey with them to the beautiful forgotten lands of Ajwa, where Taitu and Menelik won a colossal victory against the dark forces of colonization. You see, my children need to know that we have our own epic stories and that they are the historians of lions, lions who have left many scars on the face of this audacious hunt. And when my children sleep, I need them to dream, dream of the courageous Yasantra. The beautiful Queen Makeda of Kemet and Timbakt and Sangoy of Ngruma, Nyere, Lumomba. And then I want my children to awake and to write. Write for Gaddafi and South Sudan. Write for Zimbabwe and the DRC. Write for Kenya and the Pan-Africanist movement. Write of the hypocrisies of the international criminal courts. Tell us what is to be my young lion scribes. Call all my children to me. Tell them to come home. Tell them youth is purpose. Tell them to learn and to remember that though history has already been told, theirs is the future. Beautiful purposed, triumphant, as we have always been. So that was Vaini, and she wrote this amazing poem about history and about what Africans know of themselves. So I thought, I'm going to track this girl down because I need to have a conversation with her. Because is that maybe what South Africa is going through? Are we maybe going through a reimagining of who we are? Are we trying to figure out who we are as South Africa and in erasing? And I'm not sure where I stand in the um, roads must fall debate just yet. Uh, and I went to have a chat with her. I, I tracked her down. She's rehearsing for a show that she's got with the, the laureate, the po- like South Africa, one of South Africa's biggest and most famous uh poets that are still alive she's got with Gloria Bosman and it's a whole show happening next week Tuesday at the Orbit and I went and I tracked her down to say I know you're rehearsing but I really need to have this conversation with you and the conversation for me was really as a poet as a writer which she is as a person who's part of writing the new histories and maybe even defacing the old or taking away what was there what's 
what's for her the new South Africa that we are imagining, that we are reimagining for ourselves and for our children? And in particular, as a black woman in this very interesting time that South Africa is going through. So I had a chat with her about what does she think um, the Rose Must Fall campaign is about? What does she think the alternatives are? And this is what she had to say about that. We do have to talk a little bit loud, but that's a very cool place to start the conversation. So thank you for coming and having the conversation with me. Thank you for having me. Ask me. I, I had a... I had a bit of a an experience when I saw you on Sunday, and I thought I have to get this girl and talk to her. <laughs> so, how do you describe yourself? Are you a poet, or are you a spoken word artist, or are you just an artist? I think I'm a poet. Well, no, I think I would like. I aspire to be a poet. You know, um, I think Prof. Kostile said that. Um, you don't you don't call yourself a poet. Someone calls you a poet, and I mean, he says things like, "How can I be considered a poet when there are people like Pablo Neruda?" You know, like, so can you imagine someone like that who writes the kind of work that he writes can think that? You know, yeah. So, but I mean, I, I I'm a writer first, and then the performances the the performance follows. But you you are a person of words, yes. And what drew you to that? So what drew you to that profession? Is it a profession? It, well, yeah, because <laughs> it's how I make my living. Uh, I make my living off words. But I think it's a, for me it's a calling more than anything else. I feel like I'm living a purpose-driven life. So um, I see myself as a messenger more than anything else. And so these words, though they come through me, they're not from me or they're not mine. I don't, because if they were mine, I could call on them at any time. There wouldn't be such thing as writer's block or I'm struggling to write, you know. I could just at any time be like, oh, yay, this is what I want to write and jot it down, you know. But um, they're hard work and they're they're tormenting at times, but um, also in, like unbelievably rewarding. So this is exactly how I've always imagined when you speak to a poet. That's how they answer. There was lots of lovely, flowery, fluffiness. <laughs> but, so you make your living of poetry? Not just poetry. I do a lot of proofreading. I do a lot of editing. I do a, writer, a lot of writing for like in-house magazines and... Um, just, yeah, I live off words, but not necessarily. I also give workshops, performance workshops, and writing workshops. And you have this show coming up next week. I do. Um, with, with, as you say, mm. prof. Well, I then went to that day, because I'm not that kind of girl. That familiar like that. <laughs> I, I, I think I impose my familiarity. <laughs> He's stuck with me. He can't, like, as in, there's just no hope, no chance. Um, yes, the, the, the show is called The Out There Sessions at the Orbit um, on the 14th of April at the, yeah, at the Orbit. And basically the Out There Sessions were started with, by Maisha Jen, Jenkins and Natalia Mulebazzi, um, trying to kind of, because poetry and jazz marry so beautifully together and a lot of poets such as Prof. Cecilia are inspired by music and by jazz specifically. 
so um, the orbit was gracious enough to give us a space where we could have that kind of interaction between the two um, genres of art and see how beautifully they can, you know, what, what kind of magic can be created on that stage. So I'm really, really excited. Um, this is the second one that's taking place. The first one was with Prof. Bitiganduli uh, and Nova, um, Nova Masango, also an incredibly brilliant young, young woman. So, yeah, when I was asked and then they said, um, Prof. Kosetila is coming on board and Gloria Bosman is coming on board, I was like, well, nobody says no to that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. For sure. So, and I'm going to ask you, please, 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 if you feel the urge, that poem you did on Sunday, mm. I'd love to have that <laughs> played for my listeners. But, so you're a storyteller. Yes. And one of the things that grabbed me so much, um, in particular with that poem, is the story of Africa, which at this time in the world mm. as we're all going through all sorts of hashtags mm. um, redefining the imagery mm. that makes us as South Africans is is top of mind for everyone mm. what for you is the story of South Africa you know uh, I've been thinking a lot about where our heart space is and I think, I think if you look at what's happening right now, especially with the, the defacing of the statues, and, I mean, the, the initial Rose Must Fall movement started because black UCT students genuinely felt like there needed to be a more visible transformation. And the one way to articulate that was through the Rose Must Fall movement. Um, and then, obviously, it's been hijacked by other movements and now the defacing of the statues. But I think that primarily it speaks to a black frustration. Black people are frustrated because the transformation hasn't taken place. On the ground, um, people are still living in abject poverty. People aren't experiencing service delivery. People's lives have not been changed. And so the transformation that they thought they would see post-94 is only happening for an elite, flu elite few, but it's so difficult to articulate your anger towards your brother. Um, so people stay away from voting stations, for example, and you've seen a decline in voting, but it's easy to fall back into the primary oppressor has always been the white, the white man, and these are symbols of of white oppression, and so falling back onto, I think, I, I think the, the the defacing of the statues and the remove the the people wanting these statues to be removed is a cry from a frustration with the lack of transformation and the you know because black people's lives fundamentally haven't been changed. There's been no justice, no true reconciliation, and so people are frustrated. And so the frustration that we are seeing, though, has gone into a space that, that's talking about images and about our history and, yeah. and how we see ourselves. And for you, as a, as a wordsmith, for you as an artist, what do you think the opportunities for the new narrative are? You know, we don't teach history anymore. We put it under life sciences, right? Because no, I don't know that. 
because um, history, I mean, you can take the option of history in tertiary education, but not in primary school um, and some, in some high school still. But because South African history makes white children feel guilty and black children feel angry, so we don't, so we don't teach it. You know, but I think the general culture has always been to appease white people. But now, in that process, there has been a lot of degradation that has taken place in the black psyche, a lot of dehumanization that has allowed for this current narrative to exist. And even the history that was taught has never been history that allows black people to know that they come from greatness, that um, black civilizations existed long before the Romans, for example, and that the Romans came to Africa and learned from the Kush. And, you know, um, we, you know, we had a lot of knowledge long before we were, long before we were colonized, long before things were stolen. And so when you don't know that you come from something like that, you cannot possibly fathom the kind of greatness you hold within you. And so I think that it, like, uh, I, I can't stress enough how important it is for the black child to not only know that they are worthy, but that they are great. They come from, you know, they don't come from nothing they don't come from you know people who have only been oppressed you know and that oh yeah and that's where that's the root of self love really you know because europeans are able to have this strong culture because they they know their history you know ask ask a black child how many countries there are in south in 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 africa they won't tell you 54, 55 with South Sudan, you know? They won't tell you because they don't know. Ask them what the capital city of, uh, the capital city of Burkina Faso is. But ask them what the capital city of um, France. France is, you know? So, I mean, these are the kind of things we need to change. Or the, the, the talking about, oh, I'm going to Africa when you're in South Africa. Where are you? You know? Yeah. yeah. It, it really is. I mean, it, it's, it's a dialogue that we need to be having. And do you think that it is a dialogue that's in isolation? Is it a dialogue that black people need to have? And then there's a separate and different dialogue that white people need to have? Or do you think there's a dialogue that South Africans need to have? You know... When Steve Biko spoke about black consciousness, he wasn't saying that um, we don't care about white people. He was saying that the focus is black people. And I think that there's been a lot of emphasis on where does the white person fit in. And right now, my conversation doesn't, isn't about the white person. It doesn't exclude the white person. Um, but it comes from a black woman speaking into a black space. And so... Um, Anyone can participate in it, but the primary um, mission is the upliftment of black people and the black mindset and the black psyche. And that is scary for a lot of white people, so a lot of white people can't handle that kind of conversation without, without thinking they need to protect themselves somehow, as if the uprise of black strength 
or the, the empowerment of black people is somehow a disempowerment of white people. And that's not the case. But um, you can't, we can't fight the same, I mean, run the same race if we've been malnourished for centuries and now we're expected to run at the same pace. We need to regain our strength. And so the conversation that I'm talking about is build, regaining black strength. I also spoke to her about what it means to do the work because as a person that runs workshops and a person that that's constantly in the space of talking to people about the work that needs to happen and speaking on the is it a white conversation or a black conversation or is it an everybody conversation and this is what she had to say part three yeah like we all have a lot of work to do like this whole country has a lot of work to do it can't just be black people working on themselves or just white people working on themselves. Um, we all collectively have to do a lot of work on ourselves, but we also have to be honest. And so I can't, I can't come to a conversation with white people with a sense of I'm trying to appease you. If I have anger, I need to state my anger. But my anger can't come from a place of hurt. You can be angry and it comes from love because that kind of anger doesn't want to destroy it wants to teach it wants to open up and it wants you to be able to receive my heart because the only way you can see that you have hurt me is if you hold my heart in your hands and you feel that it beats the same way yours does and this is the problem of apartheid and colonialism is that it taught white people, because white people are, I mean, are also victims of apartheid. It taught them that we are not human, that we do not bleed the same way, we don't hurt the same way. And there needs to be an honest dialogue where I can show you my pain, not say carry my pain. I'll carry my own pain, but acknowledge that my pain exists. Don't tell me to move on. Acknowledge that my pain exists and that my pain has a place in this world, but also that my beauty exists and that my beauty has a place in this world. That there, like Napo says, there is enough space for all of us to shine. I think that's what's really important. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com. Keeping it real, having a conversation with Vangi, who's a poet, and also just about the different conversations currently happening in South Africa about what is out there, what is Rose Must Fall about, what do people think about the Rose Must Fall, the real conversations outside of what we are being told in the newspapers. So the conversations happening on social media. If you have a thought and you know you have a particular stand that you're taking in the debate on the Rose Must Fall or how you feel about the statues being defaced, being brought down, should they even be there? Give us a call. You can talk to us directly in the studio on 0861-555-189 or you can tweet me at pumimashiho1 or at cliffcentral.com and you can whatsapp whatsapp you can wechat your messages directly into the station i asked vangi where the inspiration for the poem came from part four so the poem um so i want to speak to my children was written for the tabombeki africa day lecture um i had just finished studying through tamali and then heard some of my poems so they asked me to perform at the lecture and Dr. Tong told me that um, the 
um, His Excellency from Ethiopia was going to be coming. And so I was very nervous. It was the first time I had written a commissioned poem. I didn't know that I could do it. I also didn't know if I could do something that would be beautiful, you know, like as in, and not feel factual and not feel... Um, like you know, um, what's orchestrated or um, contrite? Yeah, you know, something that would feel organic. And so I spent. I literally. I think I spent um, a week and a half immersed in African history. Just, I mean, reading, 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 hoping that something would spark some kind of inspiration. Um, but not reading with the point uh, with the. The, the per, I mean, with the intention of knowing, but reading with the intention of feeling, you know, like as in, so rereading things that I had known, reading stories um, of the, the specific women, you know, just trying to find what was it, what, what kind of voice did I want to give to this, this history. And then I think it was two days, two days before the, the lecture, I wrote the poem. Like I woke up in the middle of the night, and it came, and I spent all night writing it, all morning editing it, and then I had one day to learn it, and I did it on that stage. And it wasn't by any means, any stretch of the imagination, great on that day because it was, you know, you don't break in a new poem on a big stage. You just don't do that, Vangile, a rookie mistake. But I guess it was powerful enough to receive a standing ovation from pre former President Habombeki. And my heart just stopped because I kind of realized that even though I had fluffed it, I'd stumbled on something true. And so it helped, you know. And then from there, it just, I think, and it takes on a life of its own. I mean, you know, the vision that is Unapa, she was like, work with the instrumentals and who do you want to work with? So I was like, okay, Aosanki, let's try it with the keys, you know? And then while doing it, she was like, you know, the, the, the women must sing, you know, and, and support it. And it felt like a sermon. And so it gave me goosebumps because I hadn't heard my my words in that way before ever you know so um when we did it the first time it was like oh wow but when we did it on sunday it really it felt it felt like magic it felt like it felt like i i felt like i was in the heart of god while doing it and so it really was a special moment for me as well um and i'm i, I i'm i feel very very blessed and privileged to be that kind of vessel actually yeah. and that was Maggie just talking about all the experiences I mean she had goosebumps at the performance on Sunday I've asked Napo if she can send me a clip and I'll load it up I've also asked her to send us um send us the the words I almost said lyrics that the reason I feel like saying lyrics is because I asked Duncan to get me sting which would have been the perfect segue between that interview and the girl, the beautiful ladies I've got sitting here in front of me, but Duncan is sabotaging me today. So, but hip hop is a lot like poetry. Hey, Duncan. So I think this is just as good a way to end that session. And coming, coming back after the song, we're going to be chatting to virgins to the mic, but they're beautiful. I'm so sorry you can't see them. <laughs> Girl, so 
lovely ladies right now. They've come into the studio and because we're speaking about voices and we're speaking about the narrative of South Africa and we're speaking about the way we're imagining this country can be. I've got some beautiful young ladies. Ladies, all your mics are on. So you can say, you can do a shout out all at once. Just once. (laughs) Just this one time. But ladies, introduce yourselves starting from my right to the left. Who are you and why are you here? I'm Kharaletsa Shabalala. I'm representing Leading Voices of Tomorrow. Leading Voices of Tomorrow. Yes, and you're going to hear more about that and what we do. <laughs> I'm Ntawiseng Mashal Sarare, and I'm also an ambassador of Leading Voices of Tomorrow. And we're actually quite interested and happy. Like, we're so excited to be here today. Oh, my <laughs> word. <laughs> I'm Itumiling Makhadu. I'm also an ambassador for this amazing program that has changed my life, and I hope it changes everybody else's lives as well. Yeah, we're excited to be here. And I'm Khalisho Nonyani. I'm also one of the ambassadors. I'm excited about this program mainly because it speaks to my core in what I'd like to do in touching the young African girl's life. Thank you. Leading Voices of Tomorrow, what exactly is that? Who, am, who, who shall I ask? I'm going to ask you in time. Okay, Leading Voices of Tomorrow is basically a leadership program and we are seeking to bridge the gap that exists in leadership today. So what we're trying to do is um, raise up young women to become extraordinary leaders and lead throughout Africa. We are going to do this by um, reshaping and restructuring the manner in which they think, um, the manner in which they carry themselves in society, and the manner in which um, they're perceived in society. So we are not necessarily looking to breed women, but we are looking to sharpen what already exists inside of them. And you say that the program's already changed your life, Khali. How has it changed your life? So the fact that we were reaching out to previously disadvantaged young girls for me strikes at the core. And there were statistics that was sent in 2007 that said that of the million young girls that enrolled in grade 10, only 51% of those made it to metric. And of the 51%, only 31% passed, of which 10% had access to university. So just looking at those statistics, it saddened me. But now that we know that there's a program that's doing something to make sure that the girls out there are aware of the opportunities that they have and the potential that they have, it just dragged my core, which is why it was a no-brainer for me when Matepo asked me to be part of it. Because now instead of just complaining about the lack of education and lack of leadership in essay, we're actually doing something about it. So that's a lot of numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm the numbers saying, person, sorry. I'm just saying that that's a lot of numbers, but the numbers are shocking. Only 10% make it to university. So what exactly is the program? What happens? If I'm a young girl, I'm listening to the show, or I'm a mother, or I'm a sister, or a brother, and I'm listening and I think, oh, I'd like to get some young girl involved, what exactly is it? Well, firstly, it starts with the application process, which is available online on our www.lvot.co.za. www.lvot. Leading Voices of Tomorrow. Yes. Yes. Um, That's where the application process begins, and the application forms are available from this weekend um, that you can download and, and start filling. And then from there, there's going to be once we've selected the 50 fellows, you call them fellows once you've been selected, they get to go onto a job shadowing camp where they get job shadowing experience with a mentor who is in the line of work that they're interested in being involved in. And then after that, there's a camp that speaks to the, to the, to the, 
to the life skills that they need to gain and and all these all these different things that we've been talking about that they that they that they lack in terms of not not lack but need to be harnessed in the girl child on how to lean in and how to be and how to sit at the table and how to leadership and communication skills and those are all harnessed at the camp as well so there's a camp component there's um an exposure to the workplace component there's it sounds like there's life skills yes involved to it but come into the mic so you started this thing why oh for me talk about (laughs) throwing me into the deep end um i think i i was one of those girls you know i was one of those girls i wasn't an a-type student but i wasn't a d-type student either um, and I figured so that you were you like know, a B minus. I'm like a B plus. <laughs> <laughs> um, and my brother, well, says I'm not an academic. So I don't know. I don't know what makes it. But anyway, I'm not going to get into that. So, I mean, so I, I then realized that, you know, because of the lack of exposure that young people have, um, especially right now where we've got what I call nonlinear um, careers, where these days you have people who are in private equity, you have people that are running NGOs, which is the stuff that you can't go to school and learn, you know, or to be a CEO or to be an executive for whatever, or to be an MD of an advertising agency, for instance. You never go to school to learn those things, but you just find yourself um, doing those things. And we never get exposed to those type of things. So part of the of the program is, one, to expose the girls to what are the careers that are out there? But it's more aspirational because you want a 16-year-old, 17-year-old to see a woman that is making it, who's an executive director of a big um, international conglomerate who comes from where you come from. So it helps you to be able to dream. It helps you to be able to achieve um, and to want to do more, to be in school long enough to be able to attain the stuff you know, you don't have to be, okay, okay, I'm not going to go that way. <laughs> but um, so, so that's the first thing. The second thing is then upskilling them. So we want to then be able to identify exceptional girls who have leadership qualities already and us enable them um, and harness those things. So we train them, but it's going to be fun, fun, fun. I mean, because it's 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds, so you don't want to be, you know, Boring and learning. Boring and learning at the camp. At the camp. So the camp is going to be so much fun. Um, the content specialists who are young people. So it's a program for young people by young people. Um, so we're going to have that camp where we'll be training them on leadership, on working within a team, on how to lean in, on how to make decisions, on relationships, sex, and other stuff. Um, but also the biggest portion of, of this program is about going back and creating sustainable projects in, in the same communities. So if we've identified that Alexander or Soshanguve has a problem with teenage pregnancies, for instance, then we want to go to Soshanguve as leading voices and go and start pro- projects, um, others just with social impact and others entrepreneurial, where people can start learning how to be entrepreneurs at a very young age. Because suddenly you grow up, you finish varsity, and then you're told, Hore, you need to be an entrepreneur. You don't know what that looks like. You, you have the degree, but you can't find a job. So you need to start identifying those type of traits when, when girls are still 
very young so that they can be able to know Hore, what are the things that I need to do, what are the things that I need to learn in order for me to be able to, to do the stuff that I want to do. And to me, for you, what made you want to be part of this program? I think I'm turning into a feminist. And so I... I, I so I'm just what really does passionate. What mean you're turning into a feminist? Okay, so I'm just really passionate about women and young women particularly. I think in society, a woman's voice is often not heard. And so this is one of the ways that women can see how other women are making an impact in society, in their communities, in their workplaces. And it's an opportunity for a young girl to go and see how another, an older woman who is in a powerful position and to see how much authority she carries. And it, it creates an aspirational thing in her as well. And so as women, I think we need to stand up and we need to stand for something, especially as young women, because I think there aren't a lot of programs that offer this that LVOT offers. And so I wanted to be part of it. I really, I believe in women and I believe in young women and I, I really wanted to be part of it. And if I'm listening and I want to be involved in one way or another, how is it all on the same web portal? It, it, if you would mm. like to get involved, it is on the same web portal, but you can also get involved by um, tweeting us. We've got an LVOT Twitter account, which is LVOT Africa at LVOT Africa, and also Instagram at LVOT Africa. And on Facebook, Leading Voices of Tomorrow, we'll be starting conversations around these important issues. So it's not just about the girls who are going to be the LVOT fellows, but also people who would like to get involved and like to contribute on, on these issues and let us know of their experiences and also what they what they what they think should should be explored more um they can do that through these different portals and Tabi, so what does being an lvot ambassador mean uh, well, that is a very broad question, but I'm going to try and sum it up quickly. So being an LVOT ambassador means that we are going to um, restructure your thinking completely. We're just going to break it down. We're going to look into leaning in, which is which speaks into gender and woman equality and empowerment. We also look at the girl's identity, confidence and voice. We look at the art of decision making. The fact that you decide to be quiet and not raise your point is you deciding to make, you're making a decision in that moment and you're actually contributing, even though you may not see it that way. And we also look at um your career and your aspirations. We look at your health and wellness. Just like um, Matapo said earlier, we also look at your leadership and um, um, communication. We also want girls who are assertive and who will be able to go out and make a difference, even if you're not going to stand on a stage um, before thousands and masses of people. But standing before those 10 people and making an impact in your community in a small way which you can, in a sustainable um, and, and long-lasting pro project is what we're looking for. We're looking for goals who can say look um, currently where I stand it doesn't look like I can make a difference and leading voices of tomorrow is reaching out to that goal to say hey hey sister girl come up we, we're, looking, <laughs> we're looking for you to come and make the difference in this world because that is what is missing are there parameters to the kind of person that can apply yeah. to be a fellow yes yeah. yeah, so we're looking for girls between the ages of 16 and 17 this is grade 10 and 11 we right now not 
looking for grade 12 simply because it's a very challenging year. So they need to focus on their studies because you need to understand that there's going to be camps that are going to be happening during the year. And after that, you're going to go back to the community and identify a social entrepreneurial project that you now need to go back and implement. So if you were to try to apply during your metric year, that will take time away from your studies. And we don't want to affect your marks because at the end of the day, in order to be a leader and to achieve your dreams and goals, you still need to have the right qualification. And then there'll be programs that we'll be launching later on, which will speak directly to matriculants and the ones that are the school leavers that are in tertiary and hopefully even ones that start working. So then it's going to be a full cycle. But now that it's at its infancy, we're just looking at grade 10s and 11s. And how long is the program? It's a full year and applications will close on the 23rd of April. 23rd of April. That's like two weeks. Yes. Yes. And they officially open this Friday. Friday. So you need to be (laughs) rushing to sign up. How many people can you take? We are ultimately going to take only 50 50 people. So So you want to tell your cousins and your cousins' cousins and your sisters and your friends to sign up because spaces are limited. Can they be from anywhere in South Africa? Um, For now, we're just looking for girls in Gauteng because we're just um, at the launch phase of the project. However, um, it, it, we're going to expand the program in future And we're looking to, to touch as many lives as possible Yo, like, I'm so excited about this thing <laughs> <laughs> You have no idea it, that's, just, that's not just you saying that Yo. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean um, For a girl that's listening in And maybe feeling, I could do this, but I'm not sure um, Is there a cost? Link to this? No. The camp is free. So if you apply and you be interviewed and your interview is successful, then you become an LVOT fellow and you don't have to pay for anything. So you can come to the camp and listen to all the um, speakers that we have. You can, okay, we have an executive breakfast with the executive director of Bidvest in Bumi Madisa and that's for free. You get to listen to that awesome and amazing woman for free. Um, we're going to have lunch with one of the first ladies as well. And so, no, there's no cost. Uh, I see Matsepo going, shh, shh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, that's because oh, not some details should be kept quiet. Uh, some some of the mm. details, but the website is www.lvot.co.za. And it's that's launching on get, Friday. It launches on Friday, yes. so it goes live on Friday. All the details of becoming a fellow are on there. Thank you, ladies, for coming to chat with me. Thank you for having you, us. You're Thank so you excited. Us. I wish I was 16. <laughs> <laughs> we wish we were 16. Because we'd be benefiting from this project. <laughs> but good luck, ladies. I think um, this is what... This is what um, we need, I think. This is what South Africa needs. I've been very contemplative today, and it really has been about kind of redefining South Africa, redefining the story of South Africa, and just your energy gives me hope. <laughs> just your energy gives me hope that there's there are people out there doing things that are absolutely amazing, and you're talking about touching the lives of young girls. I, I wish when I was 16, somebody was telling me about bad choices that I should and should not be making. And I definitely hope good luck for you. Good luck Thank to you, you. and you good so luck much. to everybody. So if you're listening to the show and you want to get in touch with the ladies and you, you want to be part of it, even if you're not 16, I think there's lots of different ways that everybody can be part of this changing the voice, especially chink chink. 
yeah, if you wanna, if you, if you've got time, if you've got resource, if you've got any kind of thing that you want to give, if you wanna be part of creating, I think a better South Africa. In general, this is an opportunity for you to be in that space. You can so start by tweeting us. You can you, start by tweeting and we can hashtag. Get hold of you at uh, at LVOT Africa. At LVOT Africa. And we'll get hold of you immediately. Is it all one word? All one, one word. word. No, no, one underscores. Word. no underscores. Nothing. No underscores. Nothing. All one word. At LVOT Africa. 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 We're talking about. I mean, I think South Africa, Africa is a whole. The whole world in general. You know, souls are fragile things and I really wanted to end the show today by um, playing Sting and even though Duncan was sabotaging me earlier, he's come through for me and he's got the, sh- he's got the song lined up for me. It's one o'clock and when I look out the window, I see Dr. Cindy laughing out loud out there. She's coming on next with Health Hour. I'm Pumi Mashekho and you've been tuned in to Woman. Cliffcentral.com